The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Promoting positivity and inclusivity. You're listening to unityonlineradio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Create a career and a life you love. Welcome to Bring Your Soul to Work with Mo Fall. And hello to another wonderful episode of Bring Your Soul to Work. This is a powerful, powerful episode I have here today. And I'm also living, uh, living. Uh, I am also live on Facebook right now. If you're listening to this live, you can catch me on Coach Mo Facebook as well. And you can see the face behind the radio voice. Check that out if you would like to visit my Coach Mo Fall Facebook page, F-A-U-L is my last name, Coach Mo Fall Facebook page. Um, please feel free to visit anytime. There's a load of videos and career and soul strategies for you to engage in to help you bring your soul to work to land your dream job. I'm going to be talking about how your mind gets in the way of your soul and what to do about it. <clears throat> drink of water needed what to do when your mind which most human beings mind is in control and in charge it's not the best way to live excuse me it's not the best way to live at all so today we are talking about the mind soul connection and how so many human beings and I would say so many of us but I've done a lot of soul work over the last couple of decades And I bring my soul forward and I bring the passion from my soul forward into my purpose, into my work. And I began learning how to do this after my breast cancer journey, which was now nearly 14 years ago. Yes, in 2008, I was diagnosed with breast cancer in both breasts and my best treatment option was a double mastectomy. Why did that help me get to my soul? Well, I'll tell you why it helped me get to my soul. It helped me get to my soul because it sat my ass down and I was not productive and striving to accomplish for a good four weeks. I was going through surgery. I was recovering from surgery. I was in a a state where my body had so much demands to be healing. I have scars all over. (laughs) So my body's biggest demand was healing so my soul actually got a certain resting spot as well and I'm going to tell you how this works when your mind 
is the most active part of who you are. You will literally be choking the essence of your soul off because when you are using your brain's, when you're using your nervous system and your brain's power, you're, you're thinking through psychological mechanisms to live life versus living in your divine flow. So when I was down with my breast cancer, double mastectomy, healing from that, it was the longest time ever in my life where my brain didn't have to function at a high level. And when I was able to recover from that surgery, my brain's lack of activity while I was recovering allowed my soul to come back to life. I literally felt myself coming back to life as if the physical healing of my surgery was exactly the same as my soul coming back to life. Now, I will tell you this, you do not need to go through a double mastectomy like I did in order to have your soul come back to life. But for many human beings, it is a necessary tragedy, a disease, a death, a divorce that happens in order for us to have the moment where we are pulled out of our normal psychological mechanisms and into a different sense of self. And certainly going through a double mastectomy was a massive shift into a different sense of self. So while I'm recovering in my surgery, I literally had a reemergence of who I am at the soul level. I began to think in different ways. I began to think more creatively about my life. I've always been a writer and a creator in a lot of who I am as a person, but I started thinking about my life in its totality. I began thinking about the impact that I wanted to make and that I felt that I was not fully making as a corporate executive. But I'm going to tell you the the cliffhanger of this story is I found that my soul was a teacher, a trainer, and an uplifter. And if you followed my work for a while, you know the story of my childhood where I loved riding my bike. I loved riding my bike up and down hills. I loved skidding it in front of driveways. I was a bit of a hotshot on my blue and white bike. And I saw kids with better bikes than me, cooler bikes than me, struggling to enjoy, struggling to ride them because they didn't feel safe, secure, or have confidence about riding their bikes training wheels on the back wheel and they'd be pedaling slowly and sort of tipping over onto the training wheels and they weren't able to ride their bike with fun. So intuitively, I was inspired to help them. I would say, hey, I can help you ride your bike better. I can help you get off your training wheels. I can help you have fun riding your bike and then we can ride together up and down the hills and I'll even show you how to skid. So all of this enthusiasm I had about helping kids ride bikes better, and I'm a kid too in this neighborhood. We were in Michigan. It was a, I remember it vividly. Every time I tell the story, I remember vividly that blue and white bike I had. And I remember one kid I taught in particular who had a pink bike with like those banana handlebars and a white basket. And she wasn't enjoying herself, but she had a beautiful bike. So I convinced her to have me train her how to ride her bike. 
And at first, what I did is I said, look, if you only have one training wheel, we'll be able to teach you how to balance better. And you'll have that one training wheel in case anything goes wrong. And so I took the one training wheel off that back wheel and she was left with one training wheel. And I decided to run alongside her while she was pedaling to teach her how to pedal faster in order to maintain balance. Because if you've ridden a bike before, you know that if you don't pedal fast enough to maintain balance, you're going to fall over. So there has to be some forward momentum, momentum, in order for you to stay on the bike. So I was running alongside her, holding onto the seat of her bike and telling her to pedal faster, pedal faster, pedal faster, pedal faster. If you're a client of mine listening to this, it's going to sound a lot like the kick-ass career workshop that you were in. Or if you're currently one of my clients, it's going to sound pretty similar where I'm running along beside you, interview this way, do your resume that way, talk to your boss that way. So we were running, I was running, she was pedaling, and then I kept running, but I let go of the bike. I kept running beside her so she wouldn't think anything changed, but I let go of the bike when I knew she had enough speed in order to do good on the bike. So this young neighbor girl and I were, were side by side, but I had let go of the bike and she starts smiling. She starts saying, this is fun. This is so great. Oh, this is so awesome. And then I said to her, okay, put your brakes on, you know, those types of bikes, you just basically pedal backwards a little second and you sort of put the brakes on the bike. And I grabbed her before she fell over in a stop position. And then I said, you got it. We're going to take the other training wheel off the back of the bike. And you're going to go without training wheels this time. She was scared and nervous, but she trusted me because I helped her have the best ride of her life so far. So I get the wrench and I take that back training wheel off and I say, okay, I'm going to run with you the same way I did just a few minutes ago. And I want you just to pedal, 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 and I'll run right alongside with you and I won't leave your side. So off she goes, pedaling, 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 and I'm running as fast as I can to keep up with her. And I'm like, keep pedaling. It's good. It's good. And then I kept running beside her, but I let go of the bike and she's pedaling and she's going. And I'm like, you're doing it. You're doing it. This is fantastic. So she was able to get into her joy, get into the feeling of riding her bike, and she learned very quickly how to ride that bike and started enjoying her bike all summer long. Now, later on that night, I'm at home. I'm probably reading a book because that's what I did a lot when I was a kid, um, especially in the summer with no schoolwork. I would be reading a book, and there was a, um, a, 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 ring, a ringing at our front door and a knock. And in comes one of the fathers from the neighborhood. I wasn't sure exactly who he was, but I knew he was one of the dads. And he whispers something to my mom. And my mom says, Moe. I know my mom calls me Moe. Uh, so, so-and-so wants to speak with you. And I'm thinking, oh, goodness, what did I do? Did I do something wrong? And this big, tall guy says to me, thank you very much for teaching my daughter how to ride her bike. I can't thank you enough. I wasn't able to do it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And he put a dime in my hand. And it was felt like it was a million bucks. That dime meant so much to me. I got paid for my first coaching lesson. <laughs> my first paid coaching session when I was 11 years old as a bicycle riding coach. And that turned me on in a very big way to helping others get more joy out of life. And ever since that time, 
I have been coming through this journey of my own on how I can express that part of myself. And if you're one of my clients, you've heard this story. If you're one of my clients, you've had your own revival and renewal of your soul in a way that you recalled and remembered the vitality and the essence of you as a small person. We find our soul and our joy in our youth when we do something that was just purely us. And the stories that my clients have put together when they were small girls, it's just amazing. Everyone has a story where they were awesome as a young person. And it always runs into this same reason why they're awesome in their career. So I went back after my breast cancer surgery, after my double mastectomy, being the coach trainer executive instead of just being the boss. I had a few more dimensions and layers of who I was to my team after I came back. Now, I will tell you, I did come back from my double mastectomy surgery a little bit more quickly than I probably should have. But after I got this soul message, and after I refined it a bit to really understand who I am and what I brought to the table, again, as a powerful executive, but now with this coaching, teaching, developing others, and finding joy, I had another two or three gears in me. And I actually brought fun into the workplace as well because I realized, again, in recovering from my breast surgery, when my soul came back alive, it has an aspect of wanting fun, wanting joy, wanting to enjoy learning, wanting to enjoy training. And again, if you're one of my clients, you know what a sense of humor I like to bring to the coaching and how much fun and celebration we like to have. And I'm going to tell you one of the biggest attributes of that and how it's good for your nervous system in just a second. So one of the things that I was able to come back to after my mastectomy, when I came back to work, was to be more fully and wholly present as me. If you work in the workplace, whether you do it remote or at the office, you know that there are times when you shut pieces of you down. And I want you right now to go to one of those times when you shut pieces of you down, whether it be you were in a meeting with someone who actually did shut you down, or a meeting where you didn't really feel like you were going to be able to contribute, or a meeting where you were like, ho-hum, why am I here? Anytime you've had those situations, you have shut pieces of yourself down. You have thought in your brain, I'm not needed, I'm not worthy, I'm not necessary, I'm not contributing, I'm not appreciated, I'm not respected. And what you did is you agreed with yourself and you shut pieces of yourself down. That is the beginning of what I'm describing today as one of the biggest problems of your soul thriving in life is that your thinking process convinces you that you're less than a thriving, beautiful, awesome soul. And the thinking itself shuts the soul down. The thinking itself is exactly what's in your way. When you keep convincing yourself that you're not needed, you're not necessary, you're not worthy, you're not respected, you're not appreciated, so why bother? 
You have just made a declaration, a statement against your divinity. Now, in the old-fashioned days, you know what we used to call that? When we did something against our divinity? When I was a little girl, that was called a sin. And it was usually an action against a person on the outside of us. But as I have grown up, as I have learned to appreciate our divine sense of self, each one of us being an extension of our divine creator, when you do something against your divinity, that's what sin is. And of course, if it's robbing someone or lying to them or cheating them, that's of course against your divinity, but that has something to do with them. What I'm talking about is against you. Because when you are against your divinity, you have sinned against you and your creator. You have pulled away from the congruent, fully aligned self. And when you pull away, it's because you have convinced yourself that there is something that you are not worthy or not enough about. And that is not true to your soul. So every time you make a declaration like that, every time you think a thought that says, I am not worthy, or I am not respected, or I am not whatever, or if you think a thought that is negative towards someone else, you are literally poisoning your soul and you are pulling your sense of self away from your best, highest self. Please understand that. It is one of the biggest aspects of having a suffering or struggling life. When you have mental processes that circulate in your brain, that convince you of your less than-ness, it does such damage to your soul. And a lot of this actually begins in early teen years, adolescence. When we begin to have hormonal shifts, when we begin to have peers and friends who mean more to us than perhaps they ought to, but they do, and we begin to receive messages of criticism about who we are. Now, it could have happened way before then, and some people grow up in a family environment where that happens from like day one. And that's tragic, but it is true. I do talk to many women who I've worked with both on the clarity calls and in my workshop who have had very harmful and tragic childhoods. And that is a lifetime of repair work. It is actually the biggest repair work that we as humans can do is to repair ourselves after we've been so wronged by another human being. It's the deepest work that a human being can do. And I know from the compassion and the empathy that I've had with clients who have gone through such massive traumatic childhoods or events as an adult, coming through those tragedies, coming through those traumas, can bring the soul alive, can beckon us forward. As I said earlier, mine was through my breast cancer journey. So the the tragedies we have are our exit ramp off to our triumphs. If we can take the exit ramp off the tragedy, if we can honor our soul in a new way, we can begin to reclaim who we truly are 
if you've had childhood abuse, if you've had a very rough upbringing, that did a lot of damage to your sense of self. And I hope you're on a healing journey with that if this has happened to you. Your soul is the element of you that has survived. It is the element of you that will come through in a positive and triumphant way. Your brain and your mind are going to be its own like wrestling match about this. The second half of the show, I'm going to dive deeper into some of the physiology and psychology around this, but I want to tee up the concept here for you. I want to really lay this groundwork because the tragedies we have in life, they are the space that gets created for our growth, for our soul to come through that open space. As I mentioned, when I had my double mastectomy, I was home recovering physically beaten up over the surgery, healing on every part of my body. That opened up the space for my mind to alter, to shut down almost. And lying in bed or lying on my sofa, healing, and not being able to really think and process, opened that space for me to see my soul open that space for me to really understand and remember, remember who I have been in my life and what I bring to the table as a human being, that soul part of me being the most critical element of who I am in the world. And it is a deep sense of self. So no matter what tragedy, what trauma, what disease or death, divorce or direction that may have been against you. The soul is the permanent piece of you that is still there. It is still wanting to be seen and to grow and to thrive. It is still there. If you're listening to me right now, I know that your creator has pulled you through everything. And that soul of yours has been hanging out through the journey, waiting for more, waiting to be seen more, waiting to express more, waiting to be more creative and more fun and joyous. Your soul wants to enjoy life. Your soul wants to be fully expressed. It's an inherent and permanent part of who you are. Your obstacles and your challenges are temporary. Each and every one of them are temporary. And if you've had an obstacle like mine, where you have scars on your physical body, where you have parts missing, pieces that have been shifted and changed around like I have, you'll see it, you'll remember it, but the actual time frame elapses. The soul has come through it. My soul self has come through not only that experience, but every single other experience I've had. And I've had many career challenges and obstacles as well, and I've come through all of those. Some of them almost so tragic, they're laughable at this point. 
So if you have a tragedy to go through, chances are there's an opening for your soul to come through in a bigger way. And you may not let it in because you may have an overabundant psychological mechanism that's protecting you, that's coming from fear, that's coming from a place of insecurity. And I'm here to tell you today that the mind and all of its beautiful ability to think through things creates psychological trap doors that your soul cannot exit through. And your soul keeps knocking on those doors. Your soul keeps asking for attention. Your soul keeps asking to be expressed more. And you get confused and frustrated because you feel the urging of your soul. But your mind is creating all sorts of trap doors and obstacles so that your soul can't emerge. Well, what about that next job? What if they treat me the same way in that next job? What if I can't go through the interview and, and impress them enough to land the job? What if the other place isn't going to pay me more? What if I have another boss who's even worse? I'll tell you this. If you don't do the soul work, you'll keep having the repeating pattern of the obstacles that have been part of your life. When you do the work, when you heal your soul, when you change the mental processes that are basically chains holding you back, when you change the mental processes and you bring your soul back alive, your life will change. Not only that, everyone will treat you differently when your soul is thriving. Everyone will treat you differently. When you treat yourself differently, you're going to get treated differently. When you love yourself, when you have that abundance of feeling good and happy about who you are and not all messed up in the head with all this negative thinking, limiting beliefs, the things that shut you down, when you're coming from that place of loving your divine essence and your divine self, you will change everything in the inside world and everything in the outside world. Because one of the truths about the universe and the world we live in is that your thought-feeling energy is the cause of your life. Now that's a big responsibility, and that's a big statement to say, especially since I don't know you too well. The responsibility to say that your thought-feeling energy is the cause of your life is exactly the most perfect interpretation of the law of attraction. And that theory is really a reality that works 24-7. And so few humans have taken the responsibility of being the cause. Now, I'm not saying you're, the cause, you, you're to blame for your life. What I'm saying is that you need to change your thought-feeling energy. I'll be back for more after the break. found the most positive place on the internet. Thanks for listening to UnityOnlineRadio.org.
Love your work and your life. This is Bring Your Soul to Work with Mo Fall. Welcome back to the second half of a rousing discussion where we're talking about soul and mind. And I'm describing for you how our mind gets in the way of our soul so much to the point that our thought processes, our limiting beliefs, our not-enoughnesses that we keep coursing through our brain, eventually getting into our subconscious and playing that tape even invisible to us. So many of us don't even know what our thoughts really are, what our feelings really are day by day. We sometimes don't even understand the actual home that we live in with our thought-feeling energy. If you want to take a moment right now, take an inventory by going inside and seeing where you're feeling, what you're feeling, what you're thinking. Are you thinking, boy, I wish Mo would just stop talking about this and talk about something more interesting? Are you thinking... Wow, I got to get back to work. My boss is going to be on my case. Or how about maybe it's Thursday and I can't wait for tomorrow and the weekend to come. Whatever your thought feeling energy is, the repetition of those thoughts is about 99%. 99% of the time we're thinking about thoughts and having feelings that we've had every single day. You are a factor of your thoughts and your feelings. Your life is an entire cascade of what you've been thinking and feeling. And so therefore, if you change your soul's energy, if you bring your soul back to life, you will have an interesting change in your thought, feeling, energy. You will begin to think about how lovely you are, how lovely your life is, all of the positive attributes of who you are and how you are in the world. And you will begin to shift toward your greatness, toward your highest self, toward your divinity. These are wonderful things that we see with our clients every single day, every week. Our clients are thriving, getting promotions where they didn't even expect them, getting moved into new jobs with greater money, being able to pivot or migrate to a new company at a new level, living life more on their terms. And if I will just say getting a promotion, if I'll say those words to you, what ripples inside of you? Oh, that would be too much work. Oh, I can't even do my current job right now. If I do have to do more. Well, you know, one of the myths of having a promotion is that isn't more work. It's more responsibility, but not more work. And being able to leverage into that responsibility is the work of your soul, not your mind. Your ability to flex who you are, your ability to influence and impact the people around you comes from your soul, not from your brain. No one's ever creating spreadsheets and then addressing the spreadsheet for moving people up a mountain getting people on board on a project. That's not what happens in the thinking mind. The soul is the place where we influence people. The soul is the place where we bring them along. The soul is the place where we get people on board with projects, where we inspire their vision of what's possible. That's the soul. And if you live by the soul, you'll live a very nice life. If you live by the brain, it'll be very limiting and it'll be full of suffering and struggle. 
your soul will not appear in the mind. It doesn't appear there. Your soul is felt in the body. Your enthusiasm of this life force energy is a feeling state. And it feels really good to have your soul thriving, to have your energy centers open, pulsing, flowing. Your soul will not appear in the mind, and the mind separates us from our soul and separates us from divine source. You have to feel your soul in. And when I say feel your soul in, it comes through in understanding and appreciating who you are at the level of your essence. This is why this is the very first thing we do in our kick-ass workshop. The very first thing we do over 12 weeks of advancing our clients' careers is to get to the soul liven it up, turn the bright lights on, and help heal the limiting thinking. Help heal the people who have hurt us. Help heal the missteps we've made. So many women I've coached over the years have made missteps that they are blaming themselves for, they are embarrassed about. And when they finally come to the realization that they're human, They didn't mean to do anything wrong. They can finally forgive themselves, but only if the soul's brightness is turned up. You cannot forgive yourself from the mind. You cannot forgive anyone else from the mind. It is not a mental exercise to move through the hurts we've had in our lives. It is a soul journey. It is at the soul level where we either thrive or suffer. It is at the soul level where we either succeed or struggle. This soul level is the epitome of who we are meant to be in the world. It is the epitome of all the goodness that was sent inside of us as we were brought into this earth to live this life. There's a seed of greatness. There's a seed of uniqueness. There's a seed of our essence. There's the seed for our soul. And when we thrive at that level, our mind doesn't have to be chitter-chatter. Our mind doesn't have to be telling us something negative. Our mind doesn't have to be squishing that soul's vibrancy down. Who do you think you are? You're not going to be successful. You'll never be able to win over this team. You'll never be able to this. You, who do you think you are? You'll never that. You'll never succeed. You'll never ba ba ba. If I tell you all the heartfelt conversations that my team and I have on our complimentary career clarity calls of the women who have been pained by other people's negativeness, who have shut their own soul down because they are only trying to protect themselves, who have almost convinced themselves that they'll never be happy again. They've almost convinced themselves that they'll never have a career that matters, that never have a career or work that feels good. They'll never have a career that pays them well. It's an absolute travesty to see beautiful, awesome human beings stuck in their mental negativity and limiting beliefs. And then they are equally stuck in their career with limiting pay and limited appreciation and recognition. 
It goes hand in hand. That's why I tell you so passionately, you must get your soul back to life in order to solve any suffering or struggle in your life. Your soul is the only answer. And you can do that through a variety of different ways. I'm going to talk to you about a few different ways here. I'm going to give you a little short meditation before we wrap up today. And I really want you to understand the inner pinnings of how you work as a human. So we talked earlier about neurophysiology. We talked earlier about how our brain convinces us to shut our soul down because the brain gets in the way and is told so many things and starts thinking and feeling certain ways that limit who we are and what we're all about. And then the soul says, okay, I'll go crawl back in. I don't need to play with this. This doesn't feel good. When you are able to access your soul, you will begin to turn the light on that will then begin to melt away the negative thinking. And it has to be done together. It has to be done in concert with one another. In order for you to move into your soul, you're going to have to retire the negative thought feeling patterns that have been embedded in your nervous system. And one of the ways we do that is by feeling good. I know it sounds so simple. How do we go from feeling bad to feeling good? By feeling good. Well, how do you get to feeling good, Mo? I'll tell you, let me take a sip of some water here. I'll tell you how you get to feeling good. Number one, you have a daily ritual of writing down how awesome your life is. Gratitudes. You have an awesome daily ritual of writing down how awesome you are. We call those brags. You have a daily ritual of meditating. What meditating does is it optimizes your nervous system and takes it down from being on an overrided, overridden, stressed out, adrenal fatigue level to a nervous system that knows how to regulate itself, to a nervous system that doesn't respond in a stress response, fight, flight, freeze, fawn. It doesn't have to respond to stress every time someone says something to you, every time someone looks a certain way at you. But if you are highly triggered, if you are highly activated in your nervous system, the smallest of things will set you off. I think if you haven't had those times in your life, you may have known people who have, who are easily irritated and easily fly off the handle. Those people's nervous systems are in full gear. We don't need to be in full gear in our nervous systems anymore. That was meant for fighting off tigers and lions and bears. Now, in the modern era, we don't need the nervous system to kick into full mode like that. But we have so many more triggers now. We have so many more things that come our way that make us feel unsafe. And when we feel unsafe, the nervous system will kick in at a high gear. And it will start to produce chemicals that will convince us that we are unsafe. And those chemicals, if they stay in our body long enough, will damage us. And eventually they will erode the best parts of our body, our liver, our heart, our blood vessels, our stomach lining. They will begin to erode all of those necessary pieces of our body's machinery because they're not meant to be circulating in our system for very long. So they will do damage. 
And the beauty of that is that the damage will eventually cause the physical body to have some type of symptom or problem that will then cause us to pay attention to that symptom or problem. And hopefully we will get medical care to treat that symptom or problem. But the big problem is that's not the real problem. By the time you get high blood pressure, the problem isn't the high blood pressure. The problem is the constant stress and strain and negative mental thoughts that you have ongoing, both in your conscious mind and in your subconscious mind. Some of the things that damage us the most are totally invisible and unknown to us, but they continue circulating, and as they do, they begin the damage. And so a decade, two decades, a year, whatever the time frame is, eventually your body will have had it. This is what I believe was part of my cancer journey. After a while, my negativity and striving energy and feeling bad that I was a woman in a man's world and never really attaining the level I thought I was supposed to or needed to or wanted to have. And eventually my ass was sit down with a cancer diagnosis and a double mastectomy. Took care of business on the surgical side, but I really had to take care of business on the soul side. And when I was able to shut my brain down, recovering from my surgery, I was able to climb into my soul, see who I am, and appreciate and understand that permanent essence of who Mo Fall really is on the inside. She's a loving, caretaking woman who wants the world to be better. And I strive and see what other people can do better to make their lives better. It's that inner view I have at being able to see things that can be improved, see people's souls that are in there and help them strive not in a harsh, hard work way, but to pull themselves forward in a way that is joyous and expansive and expressive for their uniqueness. I have this unique knack to see that in people. I also had that unique knack to see it in organizations when I was a chief operating officer and a national practice director and a registered nurse when I would proactively help my patients not get into trouble in the ICU. All of these ways that I can see things that could be better or done at a higher level is part of what I bring as my unique soul self. The other part is a deep, unbiting passion to never say no and not to quit on myself or others. If there's a passion and an energy and a flame inside of me burning at my soul level, it's the best feeling ever. So let's talk about the neurotransmitters that make us feel good. One of my fellow coaches who I had the chance to see in person, uh, she's an Australian woman who helps uh, women in marriages. She helps them reclaim their power in marriages. She and I were talking about clothes, and we were talking about the different clothes that we enjoy wearing, and uh, we got into this discussion. She always wears such unique clothing and uh, fun colors and just unique stuff. And she said to me, well, Mo, I call it dopamine dressing. And what that means to us who are in this coaching and psychology and human experience business, dopamine is the neurotransmitter that you want more of. It is the feeling that all addicts are going for. It is the best feeling of being on this human planet that you can have is when you have lots of dopamine circulating in your system. 
You don't get it from the outside. Your body, your mind, yourself is the, your own pharmacy. When you do something that brings you joy, you get a dopamine hit. When you wear a piece of clothing that makes you feel fun and happy in your unique self, dopamine comes. When you walk through the forest and enjoy breathing in the scent of the forest and the trees and the birds chirping happily, when you take those breaths in and you're surrounded by that beauty of your creator's beautiful world, dopamine. When you have fun at work, dopamine. When you connect with another human being and watch their celebration or their happiness, dopamine. There's a predictable element to you having a better experience as a human being. And that is if you can stir up enough experiences and activities that are going to bring you joy, you are going to stimulate your own internal pharmacy. You're going to bring more dopamine and eventually serotonin into your system. These are kind of classified as endorphins, the good-feeling neurochemicals. They will literally make you happier and more likable. It's the absolute magic of being able to produce these chemicals. You can do it from dancing. You can do it from gardening, preparing a lovely meal for someone. All sorts of activities that bring you joy and happiness. And so many of my clients have joy and happiness about the work they do. Some of my gals who are into finance and accounting, they love being on spreadsheets. But when people are demanding and unreasonable or have deadlines that are impossible, it takes the joy out of it. People who are in marketing like to create plans and strategies. They like to be creative about what needs to happen next and next and next and what about this. Educators, creating curriculum, having impact in the classrooms. Nurses who are able to be managers of multiple nurses and really affect change and great patient care. Again, all of these bring joy to each individual person who that's their thing. But when it's an unreasonable situation, when the boss is a bully, when the environment is negative, it takes the joy right out of it. I've had so many women who have been great at their careers or at their work and they question their, their life choice of their profession because they think it's the wrong thing and it isn't usually the wrong thing. Usually people who go into a profession have a certain inner inkling for what that profession is and does and who they are. What's happened is they've gotten so beaten up and in such a negative frame that they begin to blame the profession itself. And it's really the wear and tear of being treated negatively and losing our joy at the soul level about everything. When you lose your joy, nothing looks good. Nothing seems possible. And it seems like you're caged in a permanent hell. I really do believe that the only place that hell exists is on this planet. When we have caged our own self in limiting negative thinking, when we have caged ourselves in the commitment about how people are bad or bosses are bad or jobs are bad or I'll never this, when we commit ourselves to those limiting beliefs, we have basically locked ourselves in a prison. And that prison is very difficult to get out through the mind. 
I will submit to you, it is impossible to get out of the prison of the mind by using the mind. The prison of the mind is only escaped through the soul. That's your magic key, is your soul. That's why I have all of my clients do soul work first thing in the morning, every single morning for the rest of their lives so that they can have that magic key opening and unlocking their soul every single day. And after doing that day after day, all of a sudden the soul's in charge. All of a sudden when the soul's in charge, joy emerges. Oh, I like my job now. Oh, my coworkers are awesome. Let me give you one of the most poignant, poignant examples. We had a gal in the workshop a couple of weeks ago. I'll call her Brenda. Not her name. I'm protecting the names of the, of the joyous and awesome. This woman, Brenda, came into the workshop really not wanting to leave her company. She had spent years there. She really liked the company itself, but the work and the environment of the people around her was just really no longer working for her. So over the years... She got in such a funk, such a bad negative place, reminding herself and her brain and her feelings that it was a negative place, and she began to be angry. She began to be angry at everything and everyone. Everything and everyone around her irritated her. And you know what happens after a while? That cycle self-perpetuates. So she was wearing her anger on every layer of her being. When she came into the workshop, I could literally see it on her face. I could hear it in her language and in her voice. And I said to her, just do the work. Go through each lesson. Do the work there. Come and get coached. And you know what she did? She did the work each week and she got coached. Six weeks into the 12-week workshop for her, she said, I feel different. I feel like a new version of me. She literally felt that the entire depths of anger that she had been wearing for years had finally vanished. The following week, she got a promotion and more pay. All of a sudden, her boss appreciated and recognized her for the work that she's done and gave her additional assignments that was really super exciting for her. When she graduated from the workshop again, she told this beautiful story of her journey. And her face was beaming in joy. It was so amazingly awesome. She went from having a repetitive pattern of being angry at herself and others that she couldn't wash off, but it was the soul work and the soul journey that brought her back to herself. And after getting a promotion and a raise and feeling like she had a raving fan in her boss, she exited our program so happy, so joyous, so full of what else you got, Mo? What else? What else? What else? What's next? So just like that particular lovely client, I'd like to take you back into your soul right now for a few minutes. If you can, if you can put your feet on the floor and your hand on your heart. If you can take your breath in through the hand on your heart and just imagine the breath coming into your chest. Breathe in through your nose and out through your nose as well. And give yourself a big hug inside with a breath. Allow your entire body to relax. And the ongoing breath coming in and out of your heart. 
And I want you to take your imagination now into that beautiful heart and just see if you can for a minute who you truly are. What are you all about in there? What's special about you? What unique ways have you contributed to the world in the past? What unique ways have you contributed to the world that only you could have done? Take a breath in on that. Come on, you can come up with something. You know you totally knocked it out of the park that one time. You know that you helped that person and did that extra special thing. And you might be shirking it off right now, but it was special and it was you. Feel the essence of who you are with that memory, knowing that you are special and unique. Feel the soul come alive. Feel the soul's expansion through all of the recesses in your body. Feel the soul expand beyond the body. Feel everything about you come to life with those memories of who you are and how special you are. Feel it in. Feel it in. And breathe. Know you are unique and special at the soul level. And give that brain and mind a little bit of a rest. Stop that negative thinking. It's not helping. This is Coach Mo Fall talking to you about the soul overcoming the traps of the mind. You are the soul. You are not your mind. Coach Mo Fall, mofall.com slash masterclass. If you'd like to hear about how we take our, our, our clients through the five shifts to land their dream job. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries, sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify.